Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. As Pastor Dan said, we are so glad that you're here today. And I just want to say last week was a historic weekend for our church. We thank God for everybody who came in. Uh, and 11 people last week became followers of Jesus. Can we give God praise for that? So grateful. That's what it's all about, right? It was exciting to see everybody here. But really what it's about is people's eternities. And I just want to thank each of you who served in some capacity last weekend. There's no way that we could have done what we did without an army of volunteers. And if you served last week, I just want to say thank you. You know who you are, and we could not have done it without you. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to listen on, watch on YouTube, find us on Facebook, or watch on our website, or listen on Spotify. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Luke chapter 5. And I think one of the reasons why it's my favorite is because it's a fishing story, and I love fishing, and, and I'm just telling you that I try to be excited about every message that I'm going to preach on a Sunday morning, right? It's the Word of God that I get to stand up here and deliver, and, and so I try my best to be excited about it because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time, and, and I want us to just hear from the Holy Spirit, and I'll just tell you that there's just something special this morning that I sense in the preparation of the message this week leading up to Sunday and what God did even in the first service, and I believe what he wants to do in the service this morning. And so I would just encourage you to, to tune in this morning and see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm filled with excitement and anticipation for this. But in Luke chapter 5, there is this dramatic, miraculous encounter with Jesus and the calling of the disciples. And my calling into ministry was much less dramatic. These disciples had fished all night, and Jesus says to Simon, hey, bud, let's take your boat out into the water for a little bit, and I'm just going to teach the people for a while. And so there's, Jesus is in this boat, and he's teaching the people on the shore, and he looks at Simon, and he says, Simon, why don't you go ahead and drop those nets out into the water? And he says, Master, we fished all night long, and we didn't catch Jack Diddley squat. But if you're telling me to set out these nets, I'm going to do it. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 5 that when they set out the nets, that the Lord provided such a great catch that they had to call for their partners in another boat to come. And as they pulled up to the shore, their boats were sinking because of the number of fish that they had caught that day. How many would love to have a day of fishing like that? It's pretty miraculous and supernatural. It was, it was amazing. And Jesus said to Simon, after this haul of fish, he says, he says uh, from now on, you will be fishers of men. Through the weeks leading up to Easter, I asked us as an entire church to be praying for the services, to be praying for the people that would be coming. And I said, let's invite 5,000 people to come to our Easter service. I said, we can't control the outcome, but we can control the invite. Let's be on it. And and. Last Sunday, there were a couple of people who showed up that I had invited, and I'm just telling you, it does something to you. 
You know, like when you've run into people in community who aren't connected to our church and you invite them to come to church and then they show up and they see what we see every Sunday and it just filled my heart with joy to see that happen. And I know that for many of you, you had that same experience last Sunday. And so I just want to encourage you, don't stop inviting people. Keep inviting people. Keep doing it. One person came up to one of our staff members and said, I invited 10 people to come to Easter and only one of them showed up. They were discouraged and disappointed. And that staff member looked at them and said, listen, that one person who showed up wouldn't have come had you not invited them. Hold your head up high. That's amazing. Right? Mr. David Cowan back there, Mr. Booyah himself, man, he was going gangbusters on Facebook inviting people. I mean, every post that I saw, David, you were just like, come to Cross Point, man. Proud of you. Y'all keep it up. It's fun as a pastor to see each of us as members of our church just caring about the eternities of those in our circle of influence and to see you invite them to church. And I'm believing with you that what happened last week would just be the beginning for so many, right? That there would be lasting fruit that would grow and come out of the moment that we had together last week. In Luke chapter 5, these disciples have had this incredible day of fishing. This was their vocation, and Jesus invited them on the biggest day of their fishing career to leave everything and follow him, and the disciples did. Last week in the Good Friday service and Sunday service, we talked about the moments leading up to the arrest and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. This morning, I want to talk about one of the moments that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples would have experienced some tremendous highs. They would have also experienced some tremendous lows. And in this moment, it would be a low time for them. The God-man that they had followed and lived alongside of and ministered alongside of them was no longer present in the same way that he had been with them before. And John chapter 20 records a number of appearances of the resurrected Jesus to different people. Now, some of these appearances were just sudden. And I'll tell you that in my younger days, I loved to scare people. How many can relate? Okay, I just loved it. When my daughter was eight years old, she had already put on her pajamas and was ready for bed and had gone to a different area of the house. I snuck into her bedroom. She had bifold doors over the closet. And I closed myself into the closet and waited patiently for her arrival into the bedroom. When she came in, I slammed those bifold doors so loud that they flung wide open and scared the living daylights out of her. It was amazing. What was even more amazing about it is my son Jacob and my wife were in a different area of the house, and they too were scared. Like, what just happened? I got all three of them in one shot. It was great. This morning, I walked up behind my wife as she stood in the hallway, and I knew it was her. Like, I'm... You know, I made sure, and I just stood behind her and go, hey, girl. It's just like, ah, you know, like, it just fills my heart with joy. You know, one day I was riding in the car with Glenn Reynolds. Many of you have met him. He's preached at our church multiple times, and uh, I used to work for him straight out of Bible college, and so I was young and dumb, and uh, he asked me to drive the car home after a preaching engagement, and he fell fast asleep in the passenger seat, and I was bored. So I did what some of you would do to pass the time. No one was around. It's pitch black outside. I slam on the brakes on the middle of this highway and began to scream so loud. 
He wakes up, startled, calls me an idiot. I'm just grateful I had a job after that. So I texted him a copy of this message. I said, hey, you're getting mentioned in the message today. He said, I remember that story. I've told it multiple times. And yes, I did call you an idiot. You might wonder why I said in my younger days I liked to scare people. Well, the reason why I don't do it much now is because how many know that payback is rough? Payback is some kind of rough. And, and I've gotten older. I don't want to kill over of a heart attack because I reaped what I sowed. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I've just kind of, the joy of scaring people does not in any way outmeasure the terror that I feel when somebody scares me. This is not an invitation for you to scare me. Like I've just told you as your pastor, you know, in a minute we're, you know, Jesus is going to ask Peter, do you love me? I'm going to say, if you love me, don't scare me, right? That's, that's where we're going. We've all had these moments when someone intentionally or unintentionally sneaks up behind us and we get startled. And two times in John chapter 20, different times, the disciples are locked up in their house because they're afraid. And in John chapter 20, it just says Jesus appeared. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't climb through a window. He just appeared in their house. And you know the disciples are standing there and all of a sudden they look back and there he is and they're like, ah! And he's like, ha ha, got you. And then these are his exact words. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Both times he scares the daylights out of them and says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. John chapter 20, verse number 21. These disciples have been called for a purpose. They were the sent out ones to declare the good news. This morning, I want us to pick up in John chapter 21, verse number 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. John chapter 21, or scroll on your digital devices. It's also going to appear on the screen. John chapter 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word, for the power that it has to transform our lives. 
We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us? Open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in John chapter 20 and John chapter 21 that Jesus had been revealing himself to the disciples. And now there's this other moment where he reveals himself again. And in verse number 3 of John chapter 21, Simon's like, I need to clear my head. And these are his exact words. I'm going fishing. How many can relate to Simon? How many are like, yep, that's a great place to go. And others were like, I'm in. Some have accused the disciples and criticized them and accused them of turning their back on the call of God and returning to their vocation that they did before Jesus called them from that. And I don't think that's necessarily what happened here. Jesus had already appeared to them twice in John chapter 20. We already talked about it. We just read it in John chapter 20, verse number 21, where Jesus said to them twice on two different occasions, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Right? Twice, Jesus had already confirmed and reassured them of of the calling. And I can imagine these disciples being shell-shocked. The Bible says that they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that Jesus' fate would be theirs. So they went back to this place of familiarity, but not just any place. They went back to the beginning. They went back to the place where their relationship with Jesus started. They went back to the place where they were called. What a word. Sometimes we need to go back to the place where it all started. What was that place for you? What was your condition when Jesus met you for the very first time? What did he save you out of? What did he rescue you from? What did he save you to? How hungry were you? How desperate were you? These disciples went back to where it all started. And after a slow night of fishing, they encountered a man who changed them forever. And even though they were tired and scared, they went back to the place where it all began. And I can imagine them casting out the nets and reminiscing about the previous times of fishing with Jesus and thinking back to that other miraculous catch that happened that day when Jesus told them to let out the nets. And they had fished all night and hadn't caught anything, but they just did what what he said to, to do. And they caught these fish and reminiscing over that as again another night where they're not catching anything. Maybe this morning some of you are tired and scared. Maybe some of you are in a season of doubt or questioning. Can I encourage you to go back where it all started? Simon was the ringleader and the rest followed and they went fishing again. And to make the experience more potent, it was another night of not catching anything. They weren't catching anything and like another time in history, Jesus showed up. The day breaks There's this man on the shore who calls out to them, and they can't make out who the man is by his appearance, but how many know that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd? And the great shepherd cries out to his disciples, and he says, children, have you any fish? Man, he put these disciples in a tough spot. If they answer no, then they're going to feel like failures because they hadn't caught anything. You know, they don't want to be judged for not catching anything. If they answer yes, they don't want to reveal to those on the shore where their magic fishing spot is, where they're catching all the fish. Listen, people are so secretive around here. You'd be like, whoa, where'd you catch that fish at? And they're like, where'd you hook that fish at? In the mouth. 
Thank you. Wow, that was specific. You know, somebody shoots a big buck, and you're like, uh, where'd you shoot at? Shoot that at? In the heart? And you're like, oh, cool, thanks. No, really, where'd you shoot it? In the woods? Oh, that's how this is going, right? Like, you don't want to reveal your source and your spot. Back at Thanksgiving, I was in Tennessee where I grew up, and I went fishing with my dad and my uncle. And we were in the process of launching my uncle's boat, and another boat had already been launched and was sitting on the bank, and the guy's just getting ready to go out fishing. The year prior, I had seen some people fishing for sauger. We had never fished for sauger growing up primarily because we didn't want to fish when it was cold, and that was the time when you were going to catch sauger. And so we primarily fished for catfish. So this guy's in his boat getting things ready. I said, hey, man, what are, what are you fishing for today? And he tells me. And I said, what are people catching sauger on around here? And he opens up his tackle box, and he shows me this jig. And he says, this right here, do you have any of them? I said, no. And he said, well, here, try this one, and then try this color, and here's another color, try that. And he's handing me these jigs, and I try to pay them for it. And he says, no, I'm not going to take your money for it. There's the jigs. And he pointed out to the spots, and he said, go fish over there, and that's where you should be able to catch it. Just give it a whirl. And so we went out in my uncle's boat, and we're trying those spots, and he kind of just followed us over there and he's fishing and we're fishing and we're talking and I'm hearing his story and he's hearing my story and he says oh you're a pastor and we exchanged phone numbers and he says I like to give people nicknames in my phone he said I'm gonna label you John Olstein." <laughs> I said like, bro I didn't take up an offering out here and I go oh wait you gave me some jigs I guess I did so after fishing for a while we're not catching much of anything and all of a sudden, my phone rings. And he said, hey, have you ever fished for the striped bass in the swift water? And I said, no. And he said, well, why don't you jump in my boat quick? You just got to do it. He said, well, just five minutes. If they're not hitting, you can get back in the boat with your dad and your uncle. So I get in the boat with this complete stranger. And we go into the swift water. And he hands me a pole with a bait on it. And he says, cast this bait to that boil over there. And as soon as it hits, you start reeling in. Okay. I start reeling it in immediately. And wham. I mean, this striped bass hits that bait, and I'm on for a fight. And so we get it into the boat, and then again, he tells me what to do. And I just listen. And I kid you not, like this is not exaggeration. Nearly every time I cast that bait out for the next 30 minutes, I was bringing in a big striped bass. And some of you are like, it didn't happen. Proof. Thank you. I got it. Just for you. Right there. See? The Lord knew. Somebody said, that's your dad's fish. It's not my dad's fish, Tom Wheeler. Security, can we have somebody escort this man? What a day. That memory is going to stick with me. Like, you don't have a day of fishing like that and forget it. And I'm just telling you that next time I go down to the Tennessee River, I'm going to give Keith a call. And I'm going to get in his boat. And if he tells me to fish with this bait and cast it there or fish with this bait and drop it there, you know what? I'm going to do what he says because I remember what happened the last time. These disciples find themselves in a situation where Jesus tells them 
to let out the net on the right side of the boat. And you know those disciples are like, this doesn't make sense. We've, again, they say, we've been fishing all night, and we've not called anything. And Jesus says, let out the net on the right side of the boat. And they're like, this doesn't make sense. But do you know what? I remember what happened the last time. And because I remember what happened the last time when I was fishing with this guy, I'm going to do what he says to do. And so they let out the, boat, the, they let out the net from the boat. The Bible says they caught 153 whoppers. They couldn't even pull it all in. Somehow they figured it out and they showed up on the shore and Jesus has shore lunch prepared for them. He's got the fire going. Somehow he's got them some bread and some fish ready for appetizers. Then he says, come on, bring the rest of the fish. And this man feeds them. And these disciples were once again reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. They thought, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do what he says. Can I tell you, in the midst of some of your stories right now, some of you need to go back to what Jesus did last time. How did he save you last time? How did he spare you last time? How did he bless you last time? He's faithful. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. They did what he said. They get back to the shore. Simon Peter goes aboard and hauls the net of fish in. There are a number of astonishing things, one, the size of the catch, the number of fish, the fact that those huge fish didn't tear the net. And Jesus says, come, let's have breakfast. Jesus was their provision. Without his help, they wouldn't have had any fish to cook for breakfast. And Jesus sits with these disciples. And in verse number 12, it records there was no doubt who they were sitting with. They knew that it was the Lord. Some of you will remember that after the arrest of Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times. And after breakfast, Jesus is going to have a conversation about that. And I would imagine that for all of us, we've been on the receiving end of those conversations. We've known we've messed up. We know the conversation's coming, whether it's from our dad or a coach or a boss, someone in authority over us. You know it's coming. And you know, Simon Peter knew the conversation was going to happen. And Jesus didn't go on the attack. Here's how the conversation went in verse number 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Simon said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. How did Jesus confront Peter for what he had done? Jesus simply asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter each time said, yes, Lord. There's a correlation between the number of times that Jesus asked him, do you love me, and the number of times 
that Peter denied him. Three times he denied him, and three times Jesus asks him and gives him the opportunity to affirm his love of him. And the first time he asked, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And the context isn't clear. Is Jesus asking, do you love me more than these, these being the disciples? It's not clear of, is Jesus asking, do you love me more than these, the 153 gigantic trophies that you just brought in in the net? Do you love me more than these, the occupation of fishing? Do you love me more than these, the hobby of fishing? And I just wonder, if Jesus were to ask us whatever these are in our life, do we love him more than these, what would our response be? If Jesus were to say to you, do you love me more than your work? Do you love me more than money? Do you love me more than your kids' sports? Do you love me more than your hobbies? Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your ambition? Do you love me more than your trophies? Jesus asked him two more times if he loves him. Verse 17 records that at the third time, Peter was grieved. The number of times that Jesus asked him this wouldn't be missed by Peter. And he says, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know everything. You knew the condition of my heart then, and you know the condition of my heart now. You know everything. Lord, you know that I love you. And each time Jesus asked him if he loves him, he followed it up with a command. He said to him, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, and feed my sheep. Peter had messed up royally, but Jesus had forgiven him and given him a purpose. There was a call for his life. The end of this section tells Peter it's not going to end in ease for him. Instead, there are going to be some difficult days ahead for Peter, and it's not as punishment because of what he had done. Instead, it was so that Peter could glorify God in his life and in his death. Historical sources record that Peter was crucified upside down. And Jesus asked him, Peter, three times if he loved him. The love of Christ is the only thing that was going to see him through the rest of his life and the ending of his life. Because Jesus said in verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. No matter what God has for each of us, the only thing that's going to get us through it is our love for him and his love for us. And after Jesus tells Peter, look, you're going to have an atrocious ending. I don't know how else you look at those words and see something different. And even after Jesus says, this is how atrocious the end is going to be. He gives them the invitation to follow me. The same invitation is given to each of us. Jesus says to us, follow me. There's no guarantee as to what this life will look like. 
There's no guarantee that Jesus will rescue us out of every adversity and trial and harm that we'll face. But what we are guaranteed is that if we remain faithful, if we'll follow him, that at the end of this life, there's a sweet reward that awaits us all. He invites us to follow him. And so for those of you who have never been a follower of Jesus, the invitation today is to follow him. For those of you who've turned your back on him, today the invitation is to follow him. For those of you who feel like you have extended the reach of God's grace and that there's no way that he could ever forgive you or love you, the invitation for you today is that you would follow him. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Today's the day for some of you. The Spirit of God has been tugging at your heart. And you know that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to respond to that invitation from Jesus to follow him. So in just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if that's you, say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. One, two. Are there others this morning? Three. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand all across this room. There were at least three hands that went up this morning of people who need to receive Jesus into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. I'm going to ask that you would do one of two things. Either that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998 or that you would scan the QR code in the seat in front of you and click on the I Decided card and fill that out. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. Maybe you've come in here today and you just need prayer for something. I would encourage you in just a moment, the prayer team is going to make their way to each side of the stage. And they're going to be here to pray for you. And maybe for some of you, it's as simple as this, that there's maybe been a coldness or a dryness in your relationship with God. And you just need to go back to the beginning, to that place where you first met him, that place where he first saved you, where there was a joy in your salvation. Maybe some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. You're just going through the motions. Can I tell you, this isn't, this life 
following Jesus isn't meant for us to just go through the motions. It's meant for us to have a vibrant, living relationship with our maker, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. And so this morning, if there's distance or dryness or coldness, I would encourage you to go back to the place where it all started and allow him to meet you there once again and refresh and revive that relationship. That today, maybe he would do something in your life as significant as what he did for the disciples that day in performing a miracle that would remind them of the first miracle. So again, I'm going to pray. Prayer team's going to make their way to the front. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, if you raised your hand for salvation, I'd encourage you to come down and let the person know that you did that. Let them pray for you. So when the worship team begins to sing this song, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the times when your word that was written so many years ago reminds us of your goodness and your faithfulness, faithfulness to us even today. So that I pray that your Holy Spirit would move mightily in our midst and that you would do what only you could do. In John chapter 21, the disciples needed that moment with you. And God, there are some people in this room and watching online today that just need another moment with you. Lord, they're not going to go on another minute of another day without the presence of the Holy Spirit intersecting into their life and meeting them exactly where they're at. And so, Lord, I pray today that there wouldn't be a single person who would walk out these doors without the opportunity for you to reveal yourself to them in a mighty and a powerful way. And, Lord, I pray in this prayer moment that there would be people who would be set free, that there would be people who would be delivered, that those who there's been a dryness in their relationship with you, that a fire would be reignited in their hearts for those who've lost the joy of serving you, that today that there would be a newfound joy in their life that they couldn't even have dreamed or imagined that their relationship with you could look like it. And so, Spirit of God, we pray that you would move in this room and that you would meet us exactly where we're at and give us exactly what we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.